The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. He was born in the right place, and he was born to the right people, but he was not what people expected of him. In fact, uh, he wasn't what many people wanted at all. The child's name was Bertie, short for Albert, but Bertie really suited him well. As a child, he was frightfully shy. He had a, a terrible stutter. He was bullied by his father. He was overshadowed by his older brother. Yeah, Bertie, Bertie suited him just fine. He was what they say is the spare, right? The, the saying goes, every king needs an heir and a spare. Well, well, Bertie had an older brother. The king had an heir. That made Bertie the uh, younger brother insurance policy that no one really wanted to ever have to cash in on. Because honestly, his, his brother, he was a British prince right out of central casting, right? He looked regal. He spoke posh. He acted the part. But Bertie, well, he, he kept that awkward shyness and that frightful stutter right into adulthood. Bertie was not the kind of person that people thought was kingly material. Well, when their father died, the older brother, the, the correct brother, ascended to the throne of the British Empire. And Bertie, well, he just kept on being Bertie. Until the day his, uh, his brother, the new king, he wanted to marry a woman who was twice divorced. That would mean abdicating, leaving the crown. And that's exactly what he did. He left the throne for a woman named Wallace, and he left the British Empire looking from the air to the shy and stuttering spare. Now, in the late 1930s, Europe was again at the brink of war, and so rumors spread across the countryside that the government was going to pass over Bertie, that they were going to skip him and make the youngest son to be king because Bertie, well, he's not what people expected. But, 1936, the stuttering and shy Bertie assumed the throne and was crowned King George VI, the monarch of the United Kingdom. He was not what the people had expected. When somebody doesn't meet your expectations, it's easy for you to dismiss them. It's easy for, for you to maybe look to pass over them, find someone else, someone better. So let me ask you this. If you were there that first Christmas night in Israel, in Bethlehem, what, what would you have made of the baby Jesus? I mean, honestly, the people of Israel had a lot of expectations centered around the Messiah. Right? See, the Messiah was the one God said he was going to set apart to save the world. He said, I'm going to send somebody who's going to fix the problems that have been plaguing this world ever since mankind fell into sin in the Garden of Eden. The Messiah is going to come. He's going to defeat the enemies of God's people. He's going to usher in a new kingdom of glory. God said, just wait. I'm sending him to you. 
He's going to be a descendant of your great King David, but he is going to be a greater king by far. His kingdom is going to be like nothing you can imagine. Israel had high expectations of what the Messiah would be like. So, then they had to wait. Wait for God to make good on his promises and send that Messiah. Generation after generation waited with high expectations until that night when an army of angels lit up the Judean sky with heaven's glory and proclaimed to the world the arrival of the Messiah, that the one God was sending to solve the world's problems had come. Go to Bethlehem and see. You know, he was born in the right place and was born to the right family. He was born in Bethlehem, the town of David, the place where the Messiah was supposed to be born. He was born to the right person. The Virgin Mary stood at the end of royal King David's line of descent. You know, he was born of the right place and born of the right person, but yet when the shepherds got there, you could, uh, you could have excused them for being mildly disappointed. I mean, they went to go find the long-promised Messiah, and they came, and what they found was two poor parents and a baby in a feeding trough meant for cows. I mean, if this were really God's Messiah, then think of the implications of that. I mean, his birth had more animal witnesses than human ones. He was born far closer to manure than to majesty. He did not come projecting power. He was lying there as a mewling infant. He wasn't wrapped in the purple of empire, but in strips of cloth by a family who didn't even rate a guest room. If you were there that night, what would you have made of the baby Jesus? Would he have met your expectations? But here's the thing. There was a reason this child was born that didn't meet the expectations of the world. Right? There was a reason that the, the angelic messengers were glorious, but the child of the message was not. There was a reason that the promises about this child were huge, but the child was like six pounds, five ounces, or something like that. You know, there was a reason. Because on this night, what was happening is that our infinite God had made himself small. And our all-powerful God had made himself weak. And our immortal God had made himself human, also that he could die. Because you see, that child was going to grow up to be a man who appeared no more special than the baby in the manger until the day that everything changed. The day that we see that man, that man, in God made small and God made weak and God made human, in that man, God was also made mortal. We see him on the cross on the day that he died. This was the reason, the reason why this child didn't meet the world's expectations. This was the reason why this child came in weakness and in suffering and in sorrows and helplessness because it was all meant for this moment when God made man would give his life for ours on a cross of wood. 
This is how God was going to make good on all of those huge promises. He would take our place. In that moment, God was gathering up all the wrong I've ever done, and he put it on his son. He said, he will suffer so I don't have to. God gathered up all those things of which you are ashamed, and he put them on his son and said, he will suffer hell so that you can be with me forever in heaven. All of that was predicated on the fact that our God was born as one of us. When you see that child in the manger, he didn't look like much. But I tell you what, if you, uh, if you base your opinion on how people meet up to your expectations, well, you run the risk of missing out on something truly special. The first hint of that that Great Britain got was in 1939. Uh, the Second World War had started, and King George VI was delivering a national, actually international, empire-wide live radio address to tell the members of the empire that Great Britain was entering the war. So this was a very important radio address, and King George worked very hard to prepare for it to try to overcome his stuttering, his, his speech impediment. And they made a movie about it a few years, years ago. It was called The King's Speech, talking about this radio address. And I listened to it last week. And when you do, you notice two things. First of all, you notice that he conquered his speech impediment. But then you hear this resolve in his voice as he's telling the people of Great Britain that war has come to them and they were now going to have to fight for everything that they held dear. You know, uh, the king's speech was just the beginning for King George. He, here's the thing. King George, he would never be fit for today's 24-hour news cycle. Couldn't do it. He was not made for flashy interviews. But I tell you what, uh, he was exactly the wartime king that Great Britain needed. When he was pushed by his staff to relocate to Canada for safety, he refused. He lived in London through the entirety of the war, during the Battle of Britain, when there were nightly bombings all around the palace and all around London. He and his family shared in the rationing of food and water, just like every other citizen had to endure. And King George was there in the rubble and the ruin, walking through the east end of London as people picked through their shattered homes after another night of air raids. Here's the thing, it, it wasn't how he looked, it wasn't how he sounded, it's about what he did. King George joined his people in their burdens and he stood with them in the rubble. Okay, in Bethlehem, what the shepherds saw in the manger might not have been what the world expected, but it was exactly what the world needed, a king who stands with his people. The angel said, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Okay, with those words, God laid out his plan to fix the brokenness of this world. But he wasn't going to get it done from the throne room of heaven. This is not the kind of work that you can do remotely. No, he had to be here with us. You couldn't do it from a distance. And so the Son of God was born as a human so that he could live among us, so he could share our sorrows, so he could stand in our shoes and die our death. He had come to save us from our sins, to save us from ourselves, 
to save us for something better. That's why he descended into our darkness, that he might lift us up from it. We have a king who joined us in the rubble and the wreckage of this world. He endured it all so that you and I might find true and lasting peace. Right In, in Jesus, we have the peace of knowing our sins are forgiven, forgotten, forever. In Jesus, we have the peace of knowing that God has prepared a place for you in his kingdom, and nothing can take that away, no matter how much it seems like life is crashing down all around you. And in Jesus, he promises you, promises you, that even the parts of your life that, that feel broken beyond repair, on the one great day, he will make them right. He will make them right. Evil will be eradicated, the bad will be good, and the broken will be repaired. That's what the angels were singing about that night in the Judean sky, that God had descended into our brokenness to fix what we could not. And the result, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace for you and me. You know, there are some iconic photographs from 1940 of King George standing in the rubble and the wreckage of the East End of London. Uh, I read a story uh, that on one of his many excursions into the war-torn neighborhoods of London, a man came up to him and said, You, a king, here, you must be a good king indeed. He wasn't what the people expected. He wasn't even what they wanted but he was exactly what they needed, a king who stood with his people. The child of Bethlehem failed to meet the expectations of many in Israel. You know what? Jesus fails to meet many of the demands that people have for a bespoke Messiah today, a made-to-order Savior. Yeah, but here's the thing. When you go looking for a Jesus that meets your expectations, you run the risk of missing out on something really special. You run the risk of missing out on exactly the king we need. See, Jesus Christ came into a world not to be a teacher or a mentor, not to be a preacher or a helper. He came here to be our savior. He came here to rescue us from hopelessness, from guilt, and from shame. He joined us in the rubble and the ruin of this world. And with his death and resurrection, He's promised to lift us from it. God grant it. Merry Christmas. Amen.